Good evening and welcome to the Franchise Tag Podcast with me, your host, Freddie Hall. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Johnny. Back to the show. I'm, I'm, I've, I was suffering a little bit of a cold last week and it's only got worse. So apologies if I'm a bit spluttery, nasally, sniffly. I'll try and mute myself so I don't you know, ruin your ear cavities with my horrible illness that I'm having. But everyone seems to be getting because it is that time of year. Christmas is creeping ever closer. I'm sure you're all getting all your presents all sorted and everything like that. So make sure you nip over to USA Sports as well for your NFL gear. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun few weeks. Obviously, we'll have a bit of time off around Christmas, but there's a lot going on. And what a weekend of football we had as well. We had the NFC Championship well, the predicted NFC Championship game, I mean, it's not there yet, but we feel like both these teams are on the way there. And that's the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. The 49ers coming out on top 42 to 19 at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, Johnny, I'll, I'll start off with you. A, a, a very competitive game. A game where I feel like the scoreline flatters San Francisco a little bit. Um, did you stay up to watch it or did you catch the highlights? So how, did you, how did you capture this game? Yeah, I did watch this game. I, I actually watched it via Red Zone. And to be honest, like the first quarter, I think it was was Reddick, wasn't it, who sacked Purdy on the first or second snap of the game. I just thought that was going to set the tone. And, you know, San Francisco struggled very early on, but managed to find a way and were, you know, so brutal in, in their, um, um, yeah, in, in the game. And, it's you know, it's obviously very hard-hitting, two huge rivals, um, but San Francisco got their revenge and I think deservedly so. It was, I think beforehand when we were doing our sort of predictions, it was almost a, almost a coin flip for me. And I, I went with the Eagles because, you know, obviously they had home advantage. Um, and I think like, you know, in a game that looks so even on paper, um, that sort of thing, you know, can, can, can hold um, as quite a big, big advantage. But um but yeah, the 49ers were awesome. Um, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about Brock Purdy. Um, he's now the favourite for the MVP, um, which is, you know, it's obviously polarising opinions. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the 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 San Francisco 49ers were known as such a, a juggernaut of a team. Um, and yeah, I, I, they're definitely the, be the best team in football um, at the moment. Um, and yeah, I, th I think this perhaps could be the game. I think... For the Eagles, their next game against the Cowboys is the one that everyone's going to be, um, you know, looking to um, see them obviously make a bit of a comeback. And if, if if not, then that throws the whole NFC a bit wide open to see who can catch the uh, the 49ers. But yeah, a huge result for, for San Fran and um, yeah, deserved uh, winners on the day. Yeah, over 700 yards of offensive play altogether in this game, Andrew, and probably the game of the season, some people may think. Um, is this a bit of a statement win, San Francisco going into Philadelphia and coming out with not even just a win? This is like an embarrassing win over the Eagles. Yeah, of course, it's definitely a statement win. Obviously, there was a load flying around from the players on Twitter prior to the game trying to avenge what happened uh, last year, really, and saying, like, look, when we're, we're fit and we've got Brock in there, you know, this is what we could have done to you. Mm. Um, so I think there's definitely a statement. There was always going to be a lot, lot to it um, in that case. But I think what we saw was what we saw from the Eagles a lot this year. Me and Adam spoke about this on the betting show. I said heavily that, Oh, so last week as well, that the Eagles really struggle in the first half of games. And if they come up against someone who can get off to a quick start, and especially a team like the 49ers that have got uh, a great defence and uh, a good run game, they'll be able just to 
sort of manage the clock, run it out, and 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 uh, win it that way, which is kind of really what we saw. Um, the Eagles really need to work out how to get going in the first half of games because they've been outplayed every single game virtually uh, for the most of the season in that first half. It's only the fourth quarter they really turn up. Um, but I, I don't. I don't think this is the the end of the Eagles. I think um, they'll bounce back. I think they'll play. They'll th- this sets them up well for next week. I think. I think they can take the loss here, and then be really up for beating the Cowboys. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they dominate the Cowboys in their next game. You, you say that about the the Eagles, though, but they were first quarter outscored two field goals, outscored San Francisco. Reddick had a great sack on Purdy. San Francisco looked that they didn't really have a they have completion for the first five passes. They, they they were a little bit off the slow off the mark as well. Yeah, I think this is uh, another reason why people are calling for uh, Purdy to be MVP, isn't it? I think the the fact that he can go zero uh, and five on passing and then just go go to the sideline, come back in and go, yeah, let's turn it on. Uh, I think that's one of the big nods, especially against the team that he's done it against. Um, that that is. The only reason I can think of that he is now three to one, uh, other than the fact that there's no other quarterbacks really uh, competing for it, the massively blowing up the stats. So um, yeah, there is that case, but like you say that that you say that they got out to a bit of a lead. It's not really a lead, is it? Uh, mm. Field goals. Uh, you need to be getting those uh, seven points and pushing on and and getting in the in the lead properly. Not no, don't let teams hang around. I think that's that's what people have done against the Eagles a lot. They've let them hang around in games and then they've turned on uh, at the end. So you've got to put teams away early if you want to if you want to be vying for that number one spot. I mean, you, you are right. They only scored six in the first half. San Francisco answered in the second quarter with 14 points. Do you think, Johnny, it's a little bit of arrogance from the Eagles that they're, they're not sort of that? Or is it that teams have worked them out or is it that it's just not quite clicking fully in the first half? What, what do you think the reason is for them putting up such... You know, poor, poor numbers in the first half and have done in the previous games. Um, I, I do think the you know the the 49ers were able to completely or well, not completely, but were able to shut down the 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 run game um, of the Eagles on Sunday, and, and there are only other defeats. Um, I remember to the New York Jets, where um, again they were able to to, to to shut down what I think is probably their, the the asset that they've utilised the most this season, which is, you know, the run game. Um, and, you know, that's my only concern, I think, going into the game against the, the Cowboys is just how dominant they've been um, in that side of the field um, this year so far, in the last few weeks especially. Um, so, I don't know. Obviously, Jalen Hurts has so much talent around him. He just hasn't really hit top gear, I don't think, this year, and and, and that's probably why they are very over reliant on 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 you know the the, the run game um, to be clicking. And when it isn't, I think that's that's when we've seen them get shut down by the Niners last week and, and the Jets. Um, so yeah, I think I think the Eagles have managed to coast their way to to to, to ten and two, um, but I think that's a credit to. The amount of talent that they have on their roster, that like Andrew said, I'm I'm not concerned about the Eagles at all. I'm concerned a little bit about this weekend for them against the Cowboys. But at ten and at ten and two, again, if they lose another game, ten and three, they could easily um, still win uh, the NF uh, the NFC 
um, uh, by because uh, obviously the the, the 49ers uh, I think have one one more defeat uh, to them um, even regard you know disregarding Sunday's game so yeah I, I I'm looking forward to seeing this game hopefully again um, in the postseason um, where hopefully everything you know is clicking for the Eagles because I think last time obviously that the 49ers um, had their injury concerns at a quarterback and that was a lot of the pre-game talk is you know with Brock um, you know these two teams are very very similarly matched to when they were back in back in January what would the the outcome be and obviously that proved the difference but um, but I think the Eagles you know will will have a chip on the shoulder now um, and yeah I think yeah huge game against Dallas and um, um, let's just hope it's uh, it's another uh, extremely exciting game. I'm trying to find the stats for their running. It's not, I can't. Well, I do know. Uh, wait, where am I going wrong? Just here? for the game or for the year or? No, here we go. Uh, okay, so against the Jets, they only rushed for 80 yards, lost that game. And against the 49ers, they only rushed for 46 yards, lost that game. Only two losses. And in overtime, the two overtime games they won. They rushed for 104 against the Commanders and 185 for the Bills. And they've been averaging, I mean, they've only gone under 100, one, two, three, four, five times this year. So I think there is a correlation with that. I mean, they, I mean, we we know how good their wide receivers are, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith as well. And obviously, Dallas, I don't think Dallas got have played in this game, but he, he'll be back next week. But um, I don't think it's I, my summary of it, because obviously we talked about it a lot, Gareth, our um, editor, being an Eagles fan and a, a very proud Eagles fan at that. And my argument, really, when I watched it, I sort of watched the game and was sort of looking for certain things. And I was like, well, I, I just think it was too good competitive teams and one outplayed the other there wasn't really I don't think the Eagles did too much wrong in a lot of places and I thought it was just well played by the 49ers and the 49ers came to play and they just they just managed to keep them quiet um we'll move on to a, a topic but we don't we don't really we cover the bit of the draft we call it cover some of college football from time to time but because it's quite a polarizing topic and it's been um it's come out this week we thought we'd go over it so to put a bit of context into this, the college football playoffs, it comes down to four teams. And no matter about record or anything like that, it goes to a committee and the committee picks these four teams. This year, it's gone to um, the top four teams that are going through to the playoffs to win it all in the college championship is Michigan, Washington, uh, Michigan um, Spartans, Washington no. uh, Huskies. No, Michigan. don't put the Spartans. No, Spartans terrible That's Michigan State Spartans, isn't it? Yeah, Michigan yeah. Wolverines, sorry. Washington Huskies, uh, Texas Longhorns, Alabama Crimson Tide. They've all gone through. Some notable misses, some teams that have gone undefeated this year, not getting into that. However, this is going to be a bit, more, a bit of an education, I suppose, for me and Johnny, as well as talking about these teams that are going through because Andrew is our college fanatic. So won't you, won't you begin with this, uh, these top four teams, Andrew, how well have these teams done this year and do, do they deserve their place? Well, obviously the, uh, the likes of Michigan and Washington, both undefeated also um, Michigan being the big 10 champion uh, and uh, Washington being the PAC 12 champion. So they won their respective championship games as well. So there was no doubt that being power five conferences, that they were automatically in. It's when it comes down to the next lot after that, which is where 
the debate then becomes more of what what we may have seen on social media quite a lot. I brought this topic up to the group mainly because I wanted to gauge, you know, you guys aren't fully in with the college uh, game and you haven't been following it and watching it maybe as much as myself. So I wanted to gauge what your thoughts were on the fact of S um, Florida State, FSU, being left out. Um, mm. So obviously, as, as Freddie said, the games are picked by a committee um, and they select who they think should be the top four. Now, last week before the championship games were played, uh, Florida State were sat at number four in the rankings and became a uh, ACC champion and uh, winners of a Power Five conference. Now, um, undefeated, their committee have said, due to the fact that their quarterback is now injured and out for the season, that they are no longer respected enough to challenge for the title. Um, so I just wanted to gauge what your guys' thoughts were on um, on that, really, and whether that's really disrespectful for the likes of Keon Coleman, the wide receiver, who's been absolutely phenomenal this year, and Jared Verse, who's the edge rusher, who's been an absolutely fantastic. Two players that we're going to see in the first round of the draft uh, next year. Uh, do you think that it should be done on record and the fact that they are champions? Or do you think that it should be based on what the committee think will be the best televised games? Should we also premise this that there is, this, this college four go through, it is changing, isn't it? This is the last year of it. This is because of this year. reason. This is the exact reason uh, that it needs to be um, broadened and uh, opened up to more teams because there's teams in there like the likes of Georgia, Ohio um, and Oregon, which uh, after their losses, you know, Georgia one loss, Ohio one loss, lost to Ohio, lost to the number one seed now. And uh, Georgia went undefeated all season and lost in the championship game. So... It, it's one of them where, you know, you want these teams competing. We want more chances. We want um, other conferences to be given their shot. Um, so, yeah, this is the last year of it. And it's for that reason. And just so happens, that, you know, the last season of it, that there is a big talking point of a, a Power Five conference been missing out in it. And, and, how, and how many is it going to next year? Twelve. Twelve. It's a big jump. Four to twelve is a big jump. You'd say six, maybe, but that's quite quite a big uh, big jump there. Um, Johnny, do you want to? You can fire away first on this if you like, mate, or I can go. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think from a purely sporting point of view, especially knockout competitions, you want to see uh, an even playing field when it comes to you know the opportunities to have you have to to, to play the best best teams, and if you've earned the right to be in a position um, to you know, go quite far in a competition, then you've absolutely got the, the, the um, you should be able to, to to play. And I completely understand, you know, the injuries to, to Jordan Travis um, makes Florida State potentially uh, less marketable. And, you know, obviously the, the, the pulling power of Alabama. Um, but for a team that's gone 13-0 this season, um it's, yeah, I, I feel they, you know, they've put themselves in a position where, any other year, um, they 
of you know with with you know, the the taking the injuries aside, they would have be, they would be in the position and. Uh, Regardless of the outcome of you know the uh, Florida State playing um, without you know their, their potentially their star player, they've absolutely earned the right. And yeah, I, I feel that they've they've been robbed almost of um, uh, yeah the opportunity to, to to compete. We talk about you know any given Sunday, uh, you know that's that's the thing. Anything can happen in in, in sport and. I I really feel for for the Florida State players, particularly those who you know coming to we're coming towards the the draft. Andrew's mentioned some of the names, and to be able to to put your um, um, you know your strengths and be able to play at the highest level um, of college football um, to really boost your profile going into you know your, your push to become professional. Um, I feel they've been robbed a bit of that opportunity, but. You know, obviously the, the the marketing power of 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 Alabama. I saw something earlier today where, if if Florida State were to play in the games, ESPN estimated that they would they would lose around a hundred million dollars worth of, of potential uh, revenue based on viewerships and advertising sort of deals that you know Alabama brings. Which you know, in big business, that's a hell of a lot of money. Understand it from that point of view, but when it comes to sport, you've got to let those, um, you know, the, the 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 teams and the players who've earned the opportunity to um, to to go far and fight for a for a, for a championship, especially when the you know they're they're over was it 130 is it 133 college teams? I get it, you know, obviously different um, divisions and uh, and rankings, but yeah, I, I, I feel Florida State um, should have should have um, have had the right, and it's you know it's good to hear that the the system is expanded for next year and to you know hopefully stop this sort of thing happening again. I think when you have a what is called the power five divisions, one division or one team is always going to get hurt. I'm sure this is not the first conversation or um, first time that this has happened to some teams within college football. The problem is the problem I have is, is when, where's the line where this becomes a popularity contest? and a money contest and that's what it has become surely you know that, that was a great start there johnny about alabama if they weren't in it how much money would be lost when it all it was down to money and let, let you know let's not be childish about this it does all whittle down to money and that's what it is in the nfl as well we we, we have to accept that and unfortunately as sporting people but that is the world that surrounds us in any sport nfl or any sport otherwise it is a money game but let's draw that aside uh, the, the popularity contest in my eyes is, is is what damages it and what hurts me with it because th- th- this is an opportunity for the guys for Florida State to to maybe like Joe said they have have a a opportunity to put themselves in the in a window that promotes their profiles to these NFL teams now NFL scouts will know these players are good but if we look back at last year CJ Stroud he was always going to go in the first round we knew this at this point. But there was question marks over his play, and it was a playoff game against Georgia that promoted his brand to the next level that then got the, got him that accolade of, this guy could be top five, let alone the first round, top 10, well, from top 10, top 15 to top five. And people had question marks about some start aspects of his game. And that game, he silenced them critics. And, and, that, and, and everyone now says... Oh, well, they didn't say he was a mobile quarterback. Look at that Georgia game. It was one game. One game. They had a whole film for that whole year. But it was it's that one game that people still come back to to say that that's where we saw his game elevate to the next level. And, the, and Florida State players have been robbed of that opportunity. Now, 
they have performed at an astronomical level this year to go for is it 13 and 0 they've gone yeah to go 13 and 0 in any season for any team is a difficult task nfl or even in the lower leagues it is a difficult task to do that that is a, is, is a long long haul of uh, of winning and i i also think it's refreshing to have new teams it's dull I'm sorry, it's boring and dull when it's the same teams year after year that get there. Now, that is college football a little bit because there is always big teams. But you had teams like TCU last year who, who have, have come in. I know Texas, the Texas Longhorn team, have not been in the mix for a moment. Um, but they are now. They are now in the mix. But Michigan are always in that position. Alabama are always in that position. Ohio State always in that position. Um and it's not, but it's nice also to see Washington in there as well, because that, that's a team that was down there. But it's it does feel like it is half it is the same teams a lot of the time. And this expansion is is so necessary. And it is all about but this expansion is all about money as well. Now that there is a, a flood of money flowing through the college game, which we can maybe talk about in a second with a with a player that there is rumors now he he was going to go into the draft and he might stay at college because he's going to earn so much money if he stays in college. Um this 12 team expansion is long, long overdue. And has I mean is this just is this just been a tradi- traditionalistic thing, Andrew, that has gone on for too long? Because there is some aspects of American sport where there is these traditional values, which I think is a good thing to have. But you also have to move with the times. Do you think college has been a bit late to the late to the to the field with that? But they haven't moved on with the times quick enough. Well, they have changed. This is the this will be the third time they have changed it, um, but. I think what we're seeing now is in previous years, we've had some really clear favourites that if you had the 12-team playoff, it would be pointless because they were so far behind Mm. the programmes that were at the top that it was pointless. Um, I just think that there is a lot more programmes now that have... um, have really developed. They've got a lot more backing. The NIL is now a big thing. The transfer portal uh, is 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 the biggest and best it's been with the new rules around that. So teams, so the smaller teams now have a chance to be better season on season. So I think they have caught it at the right time, and it's not the fact that it hasn't been because none of the none of the teams outside the top six in in previous years would have even stood a shot against uh, the one and two seeds uh, come the playoffs. So um, I think this is the right time for it. Uh, So my next question, based on what we were talking about with, it is sad that FSU have have not quite made it. Hmm. Um, What would you guys want to see, though? Uh, Because there's a lot more people are on the side of the rankings are correct than FSU should be in it. Uh, And that is clearly from the fact of, uh, Las Vegas put out the odds of if Florida State did make it, there'd be massive underdogs uh, mm. on the spread in every single one of the games, whoever they matched up against. So as watchers of the sport, do you guys want the four best games there is to watch? Or do you want an underdog in there getting hammered? 
I, I will quickly link this to a comment that we've had on the video from Gun Dan. And thank you for leaving a comment. And please, anyone who wants to leave a comment and comments later on once this video is out there and podcasts out there, please do and we'll respond. It's sad that FSU didn't get in, but Alabama beating Georgia was what made the difference. And FSU did lose their QB and look less than convincing in the last two games. He then followed with, the committee did not want another situation from last year where TCU got boat raced in the final, which is linking to what you're saying here. For me, I, I the four best games, we want the best games from any team, but I want to see something new and I want to see underdogs. This is what this is what inspires people to watch sport and to play sport, is seeing the small teams come through and seeing the teams go out. Like Johnny said, any given Sunday. And I, I, and, and Gundam's comments very, very accurate in that TCU were a fan favourite last year because they were an underdog as well. And yeah, all right, they got beat badly in the final, but th that's what sport is. It's about the stories. It's about remember that year. Remember that year when we were so close. Remember that day out. Remember that time. Remember when we got them tickets. Remember the day we got the tickets. Remember the trip down there. Remember being with friends. It, for these small teams, it's not all about winning. It's not that was these small colleges, sorry. And I'm not saying they are small. I'm just saying outside of what we would traditionally, traditionally see with Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, et cetera. Florida State, will treasure this year. If they got through and got to the final, they would have treasured that day for years to come, win, lose. They would have enjoyed it and it would have been a story and it would have been a story that we would have heard about and it would have been a story for them players that they would then, you know, some of these guys on these teams won't go to the NFL. They won't. That I know college these days is a lot more of a hit rate of players going into the NFL, but some of these guys don't. Some of these guys choose not to. That That is also a big thing. This would be something that marked a memory in their lives that they could cherish them forever again, win or lose in that final. And if they got to the final and, and even being in the semi-final, I suppose. So I just think it it's, it's, this is what sport's about. It's about the underdogs. It's about the stories. And it's about that any given Sunday and any team that wants it enough can go all the way. And I just, that's for me what, what it's all about. It's not about the four best. If I want to see the four best games, let's just have a high state, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia play each other each week. We don't want that. We don't, we don't, you know, if we, we want, we want, well, I don't want the NFC championship and the AFC championship every week. I don't want the Super Bowl every week. I want to see competitive teams and the smaller teams reach a goal. That's what it's all about for me. Completely agree, Freddie. I think, you know, I, I don't think this is a question of, marketing and uh, you know neutral viewers at home and uh, attracting the biggest audience yes that is big business but what is the point of playing sport if you don't get the opportunities when you've earned the right to to go and play in these in in these games and we i think we're seeing we've seen so much around you know we've seen it in in football in the premier league in this country the the slow move towards a european super league where the best teams play each other each week and you know we were completely denying people who uh, players who have, who have earned the right to to, to go out and, and, and perform yeah, that's obviously that that argument's never going to to, to win in, in the, the eyes of big business. But I think fundamentally we have to consider that you know the players of of um, uh, Florida State, you know, they, they've been absolutely robbed of their opportunity. And I think that's the, the the most fundamental fundamental thing when you you know I think if you talk to anyone who plays professional sports. 
Um, and, you know, they, they, they say we're not robots. We're not, you know, these marketing tools that can, can, can go in, you know, and, and, and you know, drive people to go and watch the game. They are, they are human beings and they're doing their job and their job is to play football. And if they learn the right to, you know, put themselves into, you know, the opportunity of getting a promotion or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I think they should, they should be given, uh, they should be given that. And um, um yeah, I mean, obviously we'll we'll see. We'll wait for for next year. I'm looking forward to to seeing more. Um, um, not necessarily competition. I get go get the point that you know this Florida State were put in that they would have been huge, huge underdogs, and the spectacle would have been, um, um, you know, perhaps not as good. But we never know with these sort of things until until they happen. So yeah, I think twelve teams going forward gives that you know that variability and, and the potential for, for for an upset, um, which is what you know neutrals like myself uh, want to see. I think um, the big thing we've got to take away from this is, and the, the one thing that we forget about is it's college football. They're college kids. Um, mm. Yes, there's the NIL. There's a lot of money around it. Yes, there's some big coaches on some big money. Yes, there's the TV sponsorship deal. So it is a professional organization in that. But they are college kids studying. Fred makes a point that not all of them are going to go to the NFL. Um, so if anybody, if anybody's out there that's got the time to read Mike Norvell, the head coach of FSU's statement from it, um, what are we teaching the kids of FSU, all the ones coming in for the next year, where you can win all your games, you can be a champion of a power five, you can, before the season starts, you can schedule games outside of your conference away against LSU, against Florida. Um, and it's, it's, is it their fault that LSU were not as good as what people thought because if if LSU were competing in the SEC then that that win would have been uh added to their record as a a, a bigger win um so what is the point in and what are we teaching the kids try your hardest and you'll fail um i think that's that's a key thing you've got to take away from this it isn't a professional uh sport where people are getting paid for it as their jobs like the NFL or the Premier League it's still college kids at the end of the day and i think that's that's a quite a powerful message uh that norvell puts forward and his and his message is correct um but equally like we say all the other points the top four uh in in some eyes is correct as well it's just such a a tough mm. debate this one Thank you, Alex Evans, for commenting, saying, I agree with a possible underdog Cinderella story. I worry that from next year, it will just be about a power two and not the lesser value conferences. Do you think, this is one question that I was going to ask, Andrew, do you think 12's too many? Do you think 12's too, because we've not really said that, because it's great having more of it, but is 12 too many, actually? Uh, no, um, I don't think I don't think it's too many at all. Um, when you look at, March Madness, that's 64 teams, uh, mm. straight knockout. Uh, there's nothing else like it. It's incredible. So, you know, I think 12 is probably right, but the points that um, that Alex Evans is making there is something that I was massively worried about. When you look at the rankings past the top four, um, there is no real small teams in there making it. Um, uh, what we're looking at, down to 12, we've got... FSU at, at five, Georgia at six, Ohio State, Oregon, 
uh, Mizzou, Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, you know, LSU. So there is no small team. So you, mm. you, you're then saying it's going to be four from the SEC. It's going to be four from the Big Ten. That's eight. Um, and then you go, what? Maybe a, a, a Clemson. Um, and that Notre Dame might squeeze in. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's what so you can say. You're going to get, you're automatically you're going to get four from the Big Ten, four from the SEC. It's just going to happen, isn't it? Because they are the dominant leagues. They're, the, next year, people are moving to their divisions. They're going to be the most powerful conferences in football. So, yeah, there, there's not then that, there's what, there's three spots left for the lesser teams. So, um, yeah, I think you are just expanding it into uh, more of just the, the dominant programmes than opening it up to the likes of, well, I know, halfway through the season, we were talking about maybe Tulane making it or Air Force making it um, into the playoffs and playing against one of these big guys that they've never played against before. Uh, I just don't think it's it's going to be that, that broad that it should be that they're given their chance at a shot at it. Uh, no one wants to see Man City against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. If we give me a cold, rainy night in Burnley any day of the week. That's that's what we want. We want we want real games for real people because that's what fans are, real people. And we aren't like like I said, we're not naive. Like we're not childish about this. We, I, this is all very very money tree based. Like we know that, accept that. That's fine. That's cool. This is just our opinion on it, and uh, it's our passion as well. Our passion is that we want to see. Um, Great football and great stories because that's what it's all about. All sport is all about the stories that we hear. Um, moving back into the NFL, um, we're looking at the nice scope at three coaches that are definitely on the hot seat. Do not worry, we are not going to go back to Bill Belichick. Sky is not here tonight to defend him. We're going to be talking about Dennis Allen, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Matt Eberflus, head coach of the Chicago Bears, and Brandon Staley, head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Both not do all three of them not doing very well this year, uh, losing records on all sides, Johnny. Um, all three possibly on the hot seat. Do we think all three may go by the end of the season, or have some of these guys got a chance of sticking it out till the end of the year? Yeah, definitely three three names who are on the on the hot seat. I think um of those three at the moment, well, we saw Eberflus and Staley get wins for the Bears and the Chargers respectively this weekend. But I think all three have been on the hot seat for, for a while. Um, I think the one that I'm most concerned about, I think we've, we we know that Brandon Staley's been on uh, the hot seat for for, for ages. Um, he obviously wasn't a convincing victory for uh, the Chargers um, against the Patriots this weekend. Uh, but I'm really worried about the Saints and Dennis Allen's, um, I think, um, his um, the writing's written on the wall for for him, and I think the whole structure of the the, the Saints. They've been a team where um, I think they've just tried to cling on to their championship window far too long. And I was just looking at the you know their 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 um, uh, their cap for next year, and they've still I, I can't believe how far over they they are. They mm -hmm. they're a team that really needs a, a huge reset. They're, they're, they're clinging on to players who. Um, I think I probably passed the sell-by day. Michael Thomas has got injured again. Cam George is not getting getting any younger, and obviously Derek um, uh, Derek Carr 
um, injured, and yeah, it's been a, a dismal year for him, really. In in um, um, in, in New Orleans, what concerns me is that they could be in a position where they actually win the um, uh, the NFC South. I think all four of those teams may have um, a, a coaching uh, change at the end of this year. Um, I wouldn't say it's particularly, you know, a, a title that you actually want to win this year. Um, I'm worried that, you know, if, if if they do end up making the playoffs, that they'll consider that a, a good year, have a mid-first round pick, and the cycle just continues. Um, yeah, I, I think they they really need to need to hit the reset button. Um, yeah, Allen's not carried on the mantle that um, that Sean Pen, uh, Payton left, um, and I think they they they, they desperately need to change. Um, yeah, all areas of the field, but particularly quarterback. I, think. I don't think the the Derek Carr is the right solution. So, yeah, Dennis Allen is the one that I'm probably most concerned about of those three. I'd, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, he's definitely on the the hot seat. If Andrew could have a megaphone and stand in the street, I think he would shout to his lungs would burst. Fire Brandon Staley. Um, I you have been calling for this for a while now. You say a while before the season started. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked that they gave him another another year because he how bad it was the way they went out last year, I would have been like, right, you're done, mate. You know, it's, it's it's a team that struggles to get fans in the stadium. It struggles to get followers. It struggles to... You, you can't just be Brandon stay, stale <laughs> with, with this team. Um, you've got to do something. You've got to make moves. They're in LA. You know, that you, you, mm. you're fighting with the Rams, the Lakers, uh, the Dodgers. You, you know, they're, they're good at all sports, even with USC, UCLA. Uh, you've got to make moves and you've got to be viable. You can't be boring. You can't be behind the times in, in that city. So, you know, I, I'm listening to his press conferences. I'm listening to him going, I really don't think you know what you're on about, mate. Like, you're not making any sense. Uh, you've got the highest paid defence in the league and you're a defensive coordinator and it's awful. Um, you're not developing your young quarterback. Uh, I just, I just don't see how that guy's got a job. His, his on-field decisions as well uh, are crazy. I think any any young lad that's played Madden for long enough uh, could make better decisions than him because you have to make them in the game, right? When you play it, so I think replace him with a child and they do a better job. Uh, I just <laughs> really not a fan. Um, so yeah, there's my megaphone, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> So we go from one uh, head coach who's got, well, really cap issue problems and they're just very old. Uh, Brandon Staley in LA, who is just unexciting and not developing a, a very talented quarterback. To, uh, a, a head coach for Storm is in, a, is in a bit of a difficult situation, I think, because they, they were splashy in the offseason. Wise, I thought, and splashy. I thought they brought the right players in for the right money at the right time. They moved off of the first round pick. They're, they're in a very... I, I think they're in actually a really positive position, really, Chicago, actually. I, I don't think he should be on the hot seat at all because I don't think they need wins. I don't think they want wins. They've got, if they get to the end of the season losing record, they may be in the top five. They've got the Panthers pick, which gives them the number one pick, we assume, at this point in time. 
Also another pick within the top 10, more than likely the top five. They've got a, a plethora of decisions that can be made. Um, I, I can understand if it would be really easy to go into this draft going, we could draft a new quarterback and we could have a new head coach that, that could lead this. I just I don't think they've, they've been preparing for, uh, for change in Chicago. And I don't think change was going to happen instantaneously. And I don't think it was necessarily going to be this year. I think this year was a we'll, we'll get some players in and we'll see how we go. And we'll, and we'll try out Justin Fields to see what happens. Um, it's not necessarily working. I don't think, again, like Staley, I don't think they're exactly giving much help to Fields, though he has been injured for a bit this season. I don't think they are developing him at the right rate. And I, th- I think he might have, Matt Everfuse might have done enough maybe to keep the job, but it just might be that the Bears might go, right, we're going to go new quarterback, new coach, we'll start it all again. It, will that work? You look at the Panthers, it, ha- it hasn't worked, but then you could look at the Texans. Definitely has worked. It's about the right whether get the right personnel, and they've not had the right coach in Chicago for a long time. I don't know if that means that getting a new coach necessarily means they'll get the right coach because it, historically we've seen that not happen. Um, this is probably coming from a Steeler point of view. I, I think it'd be better to not rock the boat at this point in time for me. Classic um, Steeler. Stay faithful. Keep people around too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep them around too long. Keep him. Bring Fred. back Adam Gase as well. You know, <laughs> can I can I put back. can I put to you? Um mm. uh, Flus is a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh he's a defensive-minded head coach. Would you say that they've been Justin Fields has done enough to win a few of those games and it's the defense that's let them down. Uh, also he's not developed his young quarterback. He's not done anything progress with his O-line. Uh, if you're the general manager and you're looking about what, how can I move this team forward? I've got some great picks in the draft. I could offload Justin Fields. I can get a new young quarterback and then give him to a guy that, can't sort his defense out, can't sort his O line out, and can't develop a youngster. Do you? Would you want that as a GM, or would you go? I'm getting, if I'm getting a new quarterback, shall I get a new GM to 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 get this going? I, I don't know. I, I think I think there's a lot happening in Chicago um, in all areas from the head office down and. I don't know whether rocking the boat is the right thing to. I'm not. I don't overly think they should move off Justin Fields. Personally, I'm not entirely sold on that. I think they could definitely trade down both both of their spots, get better players, and 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 really build a team around and actually commit and build a team around Justin Fields. And and we say you know new young quarterback Fields is is, is still just as you know just as young though there there is wasted time on the tires already with with Fields. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm probably being a bit classic Steeler here and saying not rock the boat. Um, I would stick with it. I think you know young quarterbacks they could they could offload the fields and, and bring a new quarterback in and it might not work straight away. And that that happened with Lawrence and look how well that's worked out and and they could really do another year. I I, I don't know. I I think it's very. I think a lot of these teams are very, very, very quick to throw the axe about. I mean, the axe has already been talked about throwing about Robert Salah in the New York. And I think that'd be ridiculous to do. I think that'd be the most ridiculous thing. I don't understand why that's happening. Do you want to give, give we might maybe move on to that for a second? Because that, that's been already talked about this week that 
Salah out. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think Salah has always been very good at managing um, media and, uh, I don't know, I think the perception of his sort of coaching style is he he comes across as a very likeable person. I'm just not sure about... There's so much uncertainty in, in New York, which unfortunately has come off the back of... Rogers trade, you know, we invested heavily into the offense on on, on weapons that failed to produce. Um, there's just so many holes ac- across we- the- weapons is quite a generous um, adjective, for yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we gave, we gave out, um, I can't remember exactly the amount, I'm sure it's around 70 million for, for Alan Lazard, which I just cannot believe. Um, but, um, yeah, going back to 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 Weber Fusa, I think. To, to, to build success, you've got to have that right, uh, you know, the right environments. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of controversy in, in Chicago, as in New York this year, where um, we've, you know, in Chicago, we've seen Justin Fields blame his coaches for some of the play. We've now got Zach Wilson uh, saying that he doesn't want to come back. That smells like two coaches that have, have lost, um, you know, a, a little bit of the dressing room, regardless of these two per, per personalities. I honestly, I don't see it ending well for for Reeve of them. I could see. I think Aaron, obviously, Aaron Rodgers will return next year, and the coaches will return with him. But if there isn't success next year, um, immediate succession in New York, then I could see Robert Soller get replaced. Um, and same with, with Eva Blues. I think the boat, unfortunately, I think has already been well and truly rocked in, in Chicago. Um, everything with the defensive coordinator hasn't really come out because I still think that we're living in, um, you know, the, the narrative of, of how well they did to get the uh, the Panthers pick and, and what they got back uh, for trading away last year's um, um, first overall pick, um, which, you know, Gives them a great platform to move on, but this is a team that's that's massively invested in this year. Justin Fields in in year three hasn't developed, um, and yeah, I, I think yeah, you've got to put a, a huge onus on the coach, unfortunately, because you know we know just how fast paced the the NFL is. Uh, we know that the coaching span, um, uh, the, you know, the lifespan of, of coaches who are who aren't really performing is is relatively short. So um, yeah, I think Ibrahim is gone, unfortunately, as well. If I had to predict, I'd say that Dennis Allen will get sacked before the season's over um, and Staley and Edfus will be sacked after the season's over. Would you both agree? Well, if anybody does get sacked prior to the season being over, I think Kellen Moore's going to be one that people are tapping up. If that's the case, Staley might... They might keep hold of him till the end of the season mm. to reevaluate their options because you haven't got anybody coming in then to look after it. Well, it's 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 more uh, Ben Johnson and Eric Bieniemy are the three names that are mm. flying around for mm. all of the potential jobs. I think I've seen uh, Bieniemy linked with uh, Chicago today i think uh that's already been talked about wow. despite the fact that there's a possibility it could be the commander's head coach next year <laughs> yeah. we haven't really mentioned that which i which um, i think is a bit of a gentleman's agreement behind closed doors personally but. so um yeah some people might want to keep 
their cards close to their chests mm. uh, before they see whatever happens because uh, there's going to be a race for these guys and they don't want to leave themselves in a sticky situation. To, the, to sack Allen before the season's ended is it could be a tough call because they could qualify yeah. for the playoffs. But, um, I, but yeah. my, my thing is, my thing is, if he loses a game, I think it would be one of them reactionary things where it could like we'll sack him because it will like fire under everyone to pump on for the next, like to get us right. to the playoff. I don't know. I, like, that's why but that was my thinking on it anyway. They haven't got overly too many tough matches left. No, what, they got they got Panthers. We're not, we're not got overly many matches left. Any of the NFC South. Easy. I think Ron. I think Ron in in uh, in Washington. For me, sounds seems like the most likely to get to get. I was surprised he's, he's still here after after the weekend. Um, You're joking. Sam was... Sam Howell's playing at MVP level. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about him. Yeah. Right. Any, any, anyway, Andrew, Johnny, really appreciate you coming on tonight, guys. Thank you all for watching or for listening. If you are listening later on to this, we will see you all again next.